0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer powered, listener
1: supported.
2: Community Radio from South Central Indiana.
3: Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young.
2: And I'm Abe Shapiro, in for Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, April 13th, 2022.
3: Later in the program, we have Strike Mike, voices from the Indiana Graduate Workers' Coalition in light of the recent strike. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. Also coming up
2: in the next half hour, WFHB correspondent Kai Fitzgerald breaks down the mistreatment of animals in the dairy industry. But first, your environmental news brief.
4: From WFHB, this is your Environmental News Brief. I'm Nathanael Weinzaffel. Purdue University's College of Agriculture and the Indiana Maple Syrup Association have worked together to receive a $500,000 grant from the United States Department of Agriculture to revitalize the maple syrup industry that was previously prevalent throughout the state. Prior to the First World War, Indiana was the largest state producer of maple syrup, with Vermont's industry and a few others overtaking Indiana's after the war ended. The overall goal of the grant is to promote education about the production of maple syrups that it might encourage owners of maple forests to get into the maple syrup market release off their trees to respective syrup enthusiasts. The president of the Indiana Maple Syrup Association has said that he hopes that through the grant, Hoosiers gain an understanding of the history of the syrup industry in our state and that every Hoosier will have, quote, maple syrup in their refrigerator." Unquote. An invasive ant species that possesses a painful stinger has been found in the state of Indiana for the first time. The Asian needle, which has primarily been in southern states, has recently traveled north, in part due to its ability to ride out the cold months in people's homes. For most people, the ant sting would only be extremely painful, but for people with allergies to insect stings from bees or wasps, this could pose a new challenge, as the steam can be lethal without an EpiPen. While other invasive species have taken hold in the state, such as the Asian carp or the gypsy moth, the Asian needle is the one that poses the biggest threat to people. Climate change and the associated rise in global average temperatures are likely to be resulting in birds altering the timing of their reproductive cycles. The Journal of Animal Ecology found that bird species in the Chicago area on average laying their eggs a month earlier than normal using both historical and modern data the researchers discovered that out of the 72 different bird species that they were focused on a third of them laid eggs 25 days earlier than they did a century ago this is likely due to temperatures becoming warmer sooner than they did in the past the problem that exists for birds in this position is that they become at risk for fall springs which are abnormally warm periods that are followed by the remaining coldness of winter. This can trick the birds into thinking it is finally warm, which can lead them to lay eggs without the necessary foods being available yet. A similar study found that the body sizes of birds have been decreasing due to global warming. For researchers, birds offer some of the first cases of how species will respond biologically to climate change. And that's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel.
3: On March 30th, at the Monroe County Commissioners' Meeting, County Chief Deputy Clerk Tricia Martin asked the commissioners to approve updated 2022 Primary Election Day polling
1: sites. You have previously okayed some polling sites for us at this election but we've had some fallout since then so we've had to do some shuffling and finding new areas Uh, we've lost three locations and we've picked up two locations we're going to use the elections operations the Napa building on election day and we're also going to use North High School for for the for the first time in many years we're using North High School so we've we have every precinct taken care of But we have changed the sites around.
3: Martin explained that other options in the area were either previous polling sites that did not want to host again or they were not compliant with the Help America Vote Act.
1: North High School has absorbed three of the sites. um, So that does help. And, you know, it is right downtown, great parking.
4: Yes, it is.
1: Anything else that we found in that area we've used before, and they no longer want to use, for us to use them, or they're not HAVA compliant.
3: The commissioners approved the update to the polling sites unanimously. Martin also asked the board to approve funds not to exceed $2,353 for a primary election advertisement.
1: This is my favorite part of elections, getting that postcard out. Um, We're not mandated to send postcards out when we change precincts, but we feel that it it best serves the the public. Uh, We've designed a postcard that has front and back information. On one side, it tells you about early voting, how to get to the location. It tells you your precinct, and it also tells you your voting location on election day. So we've packed a lot of information on one card. Uh, We do have bulk rate mailing, which does help. We are not sending that card to every voter in Monroe County. We're sending the card to every registered household. So everybody won't receive, like if you live in a house with five registered voters, you're only gonna get one card for that location. Um, roughly, it, we have like almost 100,000 people that are registered to vote, 52,000 cards will go out. So we think it's a good cost saving money. Plus, it's, you know, an advertisement to get out and vote. And the cards are very colorful. They're red, white, and blue.
3: Commissioner Julie Thomas said that she thinks the advertisement is especially helpful for students. I, I also
0: appreciate this. Uh, and I, I think for with students especially, it's a, it's important. Yes. Um, because this is a very sort of unfamiliar place to some
2: of them. Um, so I, I do appreciate that. I think it's a good move.
3: The commissioners approved the agreement unanimously.
2: Up next, the Indiana Graduate Workers Coalition United Electrical Workers Strike began today. Picketing has been postponed to tomorrow due to inclement weather. WFHB Local News gathered field recordings from members of the student-led union in our latest segment, Strike Mike. An update from local residents working to highlight the voices of Indian University students and staff. We turn now to Strike Mike.
3: Members of the union, will you recommend a yes vote to strike? Yes! yes!
5: This is Strike Mike. On Sunday, April 10th, a 97.8 affirmative vote by IU graduate workers set into motion the largest indefinite strike Bloomington has seen in decades. Every day that we can, WFHB's Strike Mike will bring you to the front lines of this movement, allowing you to understand the issues and the action through the voices of the participants themselves. I am out here to support the graduate student workers because students are students. I teach one class in the Spanish department and my department supports the student workers and I've been really, really proud that my department came out in support of organizing and I just, it's just a no-brainer for me. We are here with a mission of education, of empowerment. We've got a big push on diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice at the university. I just came from IT statewide conference where diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice was the theme of the conference. Empowering students was actually the theme, but with this DEIJ lens running through it. And our president is all about students, and I just, I don't get it. I don't get why this is an argument. And I think that if you really are truly doing the right thing for your workers I don't know why you would be opposed to organization because all organization does is create a level field for negotiation and if you're afraid of a level field for negotiation that's pretty indicative of what you think about what you're doing so as far as I'm concerned it's a no-brainer and I'm all in. Hi, my name is Jessie Wong, and I am a recent student who graduated uh, last December. I'm the primary cook to cook this beautiful Hari dish for everybody today, the soup dish. And I just wanted to say, I'm here for all of you to support all your movement, Um, and I think it's really important that you guys are fighting for what's right, and I'm here to support with all of you as much as I possibly can.
3: It's raining here, it's about 1.30, and we rescheduled for today with the tornado risk. I think it was the right call, don't want anyone to be in danger, even if it ends up that there's nothing to to worry about. We've been working on calling everyone signed up to picket to make sure we get a really, really strong showing tomorrow, Um, and everyone has been really responsive. It's also faculty and staff day on the picket line, so I'm really looking forward to seeing not only other graduate students, but uh, undergraduates, faculty, staff, community members. Everyone is welcome, and I am really, really looking forward to the the showing we're going to have tomorrow.
6: Hi, my name is Sim Floyd. I'm an undergrad here. I'm a freshman. I'm mostly here just because I think that the grad students here need to get paid more. They need more. They need to make a living wage. Um, my some of my favorite classes here have been taught by grad students, and the fact that they're not getting paid enough is just really heartbreaking to me. So any way I can help out, I can um, get the word out and help this moving out is just what I want to do. And I'm really happy that I can be here and that they're having me. Hi, my name is Jackson Bell. I'm a Law and Public Policy sophomore here, but I'm also studying Labor Studies. And I think the reason why I think it was so important to help out with the union um, is that in my Labor Studies courses, I learn about exactly what the university is doing to bust a strike, you know. Oh, the union's a third party. Oh, you know, we're a family here. I thought you came here for the education. Those are in my textbooks as disingenuous uh, things from universities to tell grad students not to unionize. And so I'm being taught that by the university, so I want to I turn that back into help for the grad students. And I think it's really important for uh, undergrads to have a voice because the university has made it clear that um, Uh, the education is not super important to them. What it's about is the money. And undergraduates are where the money comes from for this university as well as our, uh, our parents who might be funding our education. So if they see that undergrads might be having second thoughts about going to grad school after this, then the strike is much more likely to end in success for the union. Thank you.
0: I'm Evie, I'm an undergrad here at IU and I support the strike because most of my teachers are graduate students and I've seen how this affects them. Graduate students play such a huge part in this university, and I don't think that the administration should be using undergrads as bargaining chips.
5: We'll try to keep you up to date on future installments of Strike Mike.
2: WFHB correspondent Kai Fitzgerald reported on the mistreatment of animals in the dairy industry. News Director Cade Young sat down with Kai in the studio to speak about a dairy farm in Indiana. We turn now to that segment.
3: Hi, this is WFHB News Director Cade Young, and I'm here with WFHB Environmental Affairs Correspondent Kai Fitzgerald. Well, you're working on a story right now in the news department, and I was just curious if you'd tell me a little bit about you know, what you're covering here at the moment.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm covering an issue that was uh, kind of a bigger thing a couple years ago, but has since sort of resurfaced. It's the Fair Oaks Farms dairy industry and the Fair Life Milk. Um, And I'd like to mention before I go too much into this story uh, that there could be a trigger warning for animal abuse and drug abuse. So any listeners, if that is a trigger for you and that's not something you'd like to listen to, you can sign off now. But yeah, so there a couple years ago, there was a documentary released through the animal recovery mission and they kind of infiltrated Fair Oaks Farms as an investigator and pretended to work there And uh, they made a documentary and released a lot of footage revealing the kind of animal abuse with the cows used there. And it it blew up and everyone kind of freaked out and was like, oh, my gosh, can't believe this is happening. But in in reality, this has been going on in the dairy industry since it started.
3: And there's tons of problems with the dairy industry that we've talked back and forth Mm -hmm. about um, over the past few weeks since you've been covering this. But I was just curious, you know, I know it's a sensitive area. But, right. Um, would you walk me through, you know, the torture aspects? So what, what was being done to these animals?
0: Yeah. So the calves, the baby calves were kept on one area of the farm and right across from them were the the mother cows. And at a certain point, the mother cows actually lost their moo, so they lost their voice because they were mooing and like calling for their children so much. And I I didn't even know that cows could lose their moo because they are just yearning for their children. And once the animal recovery mission infiltrated the farm, they found that like one of the first things that these employees were taught, what path to take in order to avoid detection to bury calves, like dead carcass calves. And in in the footage, uh, if you watch the documentary yourself, you can find these employees throwing cabs off trucks, dragging them by the ear, hitting and torturing them with plastic mail cartons, kicking and stabbing them with a steel rebar and like burning and branding them with irons. And this was this was only the abuse that was caught on camera. I mean, who knows what? could have happened behind closed doors. But and and that was just to the to the babies. And a majority of them would die just from heat exhaustion because they're kept in these plastic cages in the sun in the heat in the summers. And and the plastic would congregate the heat and it would just they would just die from heat exhaustion and dehydration.
3: Now um the company Mm -hmm. um Fairlife, correct? Yeah. Have they in this documentary since it's been made? Have they been informed of the practices of this farm here in Indiana? And if so, you know, what does uh, the company have to say?
0: Yeah, so basically the CEO, I guess, or the owner, his name is Michael McCloskey. He owns both the Fair Oaks Farms and Fairlife Milk, the company. Now, Fairlife Milk, they don't get all of their milk from Fair Oaks, but they do get like a majority. And so once this documentary was released michael mccloskey he released his own statement and he said let me pull up this quote he said he was disgusted by and taking full responsibility for the actions seen in the footage as it goes against everything that we stand for in regards to responsible cow care and comfort Now, I appreciate that he wanted to take full responsibility for this. However, I do find it a little bit difficult to believe that as the owner of both the company and the farms, he had no prior knowledge of the ins and outs of what was going on on his own property. Because I feel like as a CEO or as a company owner, you want to know exactly what's going on under your own roof. So I, I just found it a little bit difficult to believe that that was something he had just found out through the documentary and through no means of his own. Yeah. And I also found through some research that uh, Fairlife launched a partnership with Coca-Cola in 2012. And after this documentary was released, so many grocery stores, particularly in like the Chicago area, just banned their Fairlife milk distribution entirely including jewel osco uh places like kroger didn't but they did say that they don't support their
3: the treatment mission
0: yeah they just like i guess because a large portion of their milk comes from Fairlife, they couldn't necessarily just stop distributing it Mm -hmm. but coca-cola after the documentary is released went as far as to say that they still support fair oaks farms even after this documentary was released and after all of these grocery stores were banning the milk, Coca-Cola just really did not really care. <laughs> they were just like, yep, we do it. We support them. We don't care.
3: Now, I wanted to ask you, so this is happening at this farm here in Indiana. And just because we know about it, just because there's an investigative crew, this documentary that came out um, that, that shows it. I, I was just curious in your reporting and in your research on mm-hmm. this. How widespread is this mistreatment of these animals?
0: Yeah, so it's honestly, it's pretty much the entire dairy industry as a whole. And the simple fact that fair Oaks swarms was just caught on camera speaks for itself in the sense that this is just only a portion of what we can see with our own eyes. I mean, the entire dairy industry itself just completely disregards and abuses most of their animals it's especially big producers multinational producers i mean more local organic farms i really can't speak on that mm-hmm. um but i do know like companies similar to fairlife have the same kind of procedures if you will
3: i see and and we're talking about you know big corporates yeah. conglomerates in in the dairy industry now i was curious we had talked about some of the problems highlighting some of the problems in your research you know in in your reporting what have you found in terms of solutions how do we how do we eradicate this problem so to speak and move forward in the future and you know try to come up with some semblance of a solution
0: yeah so it's it's so difficult because i mean there's so little that the consumer can do to prevent dairy industries or like dairy producers from abusing their animals. But the first thing that you can do is just like research the company of milk that you're buying your milk from and trying to solely buy milk from either like organic or local farmers, or just a company that is very transparent with their production. Or I mean, just try and cut out dairy as a whole, because Humans in general, we're not really supposed to drink milk. I mean, almost every human is somewhat lactose intolerant. Right. And so drinking milk from a different animal causes that like disruption in, in your stomach. So just try to cut out or at least cut down your dairy intake. Right. and And like nobody's going to eat a ton of cheese and be like, I feel great.
3: <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not. We're not meant to to digest um, cow's milk. And so, you know, another alternative, like as you were saying, is plant-based yes. milk yeah. alternatives. Okay, well, that's great. Now, Kai, mm-hmm. thank you for walking me through all this. I feel like I've learned yeah. so much about the dairy industry. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on uh, before we part ways?
0: Um, I guess just if, if you find yourself interested in this topic, there's a lot of content out there including this documentary from the animal recovery mission that you can i mean it is it is very graphic so i would advise to keep that in mind before watching it but it did change my life i mean like afterwards i've never drank any fair life milk or any company that was associated with fair life milk since mm-hmm. and i've pretty much only drank oat milk and soy since then. And it's, it's honestly, it's also really, really helped with my digestive system. My metabolism has boosted as well. And, and I'm not asking everyone out there to just cut dairy out completely. I'm just saying like cutting down or at least changing your, where you buy your milk from could really, really help. And also, you know, you're not buying from a company that hurts innocent animals intentionally
3: absolutely well kai thank you so much for your time this has been wonderful yeah thank you up next latest and not greatest on better beware your weekly consumer watchdog segment on wfhb Host and producer Richard Fish highlights four different ways you can get swindled that are going around right now, and that you may be in danger of falling for one or more of them. We turn to Richard Fish for more.
7: So what's the latest and not so greatest in the world of scams and swindles? Well government imposter scams continue to be very popular with the crooks and very unpopular with their victims. They come in by phone or regular mail or email or text messages and they mostly want to get your personal information, although some, like the ones that claim to be from the police or a prosecutor, try to scare you into giving money. If you get any communication from any government that you weren't expecting, be suspicious. If it's a phone call, hang up and call the regular publicly listed number for the agency involved before you respond in any way, especially before you turn loose of any money. Remember, government agencies do not accept gift cards or iTunes cards or cryptocurrency. Then there's the spate of text messages some people have been getting which appear to come from their own phone. Every single one of those comes from a crook, no exceptions. I got one not long ago saying, your last month's bill is paid, thank you, and here's a gift for you, with a link to tap or click. If you go there, you'll get a gift, all right, but it won't be one you'll like. If you've got a Mac computer or an iPhone, watch out for scammers pretending to be Apple support. They'll say your iCloud account has been breached and want you to call a number or use a link. Don't do it. If you use iCloud, set up two-factor identification to log in. Have you ever done a rent-to-own deal? it sounds good rent something you need right now paying a small price each month and have the option to pay it off and own it outright later on when it comes to things like furniture and appliances there are some reputable places There's one here in Bloomington that's part of a national chain and has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau. But be sure you read all the fine print and do some math before you plunge. You can end up paying quite a lot more for a sofa or a washing machine than you would if you just bought it outright. And when it comes to rent to own houses, watch out. These can be very attractive if your credit isn't good, but there are lots of swindlers working this game. Some are people who don't actually own the property they're offering, or who don't pay the property taxes on it, or conceal serious problems and badly needed repairs, or even try to sucker you with a house that's in foreclosure. And even legitimate rent-to-own deals may have tricky clauses buried in the fine print. For instance, make one late payment and the deal is canceled. You may end up paying a lot more than the property is worth. If you want to own something, it's better to buy it. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs.
1: Better Beware comes to you from WFHB, Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at wfhb.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at wfhb.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break.
3: You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathaniel Weinzapfel and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, community access television services. Strike Mike was produced by Mia Beach and Abe Shapiro.
2: Our feature was produced by Kai Fitzgerald. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, this is Abe Shapiro speaking.
3: Stay tuned for cool solutions, climate action from the bottom up, coming up next on WFHB.